everyone, I'm Ari, here with Rachel, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. This week, we're on episode 153, and we're asking, what is the as-you-know-ball trope? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, if you haven't already. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends and feel free to write a review. Okay, so just what is the as-you-know-ball trope? I'll be honest, I used to refer to this as the CSI trope because every episode of CSI I watched it would feature and every single time I watched it I got more and more annoyed and then I found out it was actually called the As You Know Bob which actually works better I suppose. And in case you don't know, it is the clunky, lazy technique whereby the writer informs the readers or if it's a TV show, the watchers about some backstory or event through really clumsy dialogue between characters who already know the information themselves. It's a really shitty use of bad exposition, but in dialogue form. And before I get flamed, I do want to point out exposition is an acceptable literary device when it's done well and balanced throughout a story, not when it is dumped. And that includes doing it, you know, as a giant info dump at the beginning of the novel or in this crappy technique that keeps getting used. Now, if I take CSI as an example, for anyone who's watched CSI, the As You Know Bob would be where you've got a CSI technician in the lab and they're talking to the CSI investigator who wants the results and the CSI technician says, as you know, when sprayed with luminol, there is a chemical reaction and when the luminol comes into contact with an area that may have blood on it and it gives off a blue glow. They both know this. I mean, the investigator is the one that literally sprays the blood area with the luminol. So it's obvious that the technician is not telling the investigator anything they don't know. That is really frustrating. It's a proper bugbear of mine, as you can probably tell as I'm getting angry just talking about it. So what it is, is instead we're reminding the viewer, in the case of CSI, about this thing. Or letting them know if it's the first time they've ever watched it and they don't know. And it's really annoying. I think what really annoyed me about CSI is you'd get them spraying luminol everywhere. And there'd be some random person in the crime scene going, what's that? And then they'd tell them and then they'd go to the lab and get told what luminol is by the technician. So it came up like two or three times and it was just so stupid. And unfortunately, it is kind of leaking back into writing. So yeah, that is the trope. If you've never heard it, you may know it by a different name like me or not. So Rachel, have you ever heard of the, as you know, Bob trope or have you heard of it in a different term? No, I was just going to say, for those of you listening, Ari was the one that came up with this episode topic. And when she wrote it down, I looked at it and I was like, I don't know what that is. So I was like, I'm just going to let Ari take the wheel on this one because I have zero clue what the, as you know, Bob trope is. And ironically enough, I was watching a movie with my cousins and my sister a couple of nights ago. And I forget what movie it was, but somebody said something And my sister started laughing and she was just like, yeah, we need to remind you so that the audience knows. And I was like, oh, I never really noticed it before. And then when I was like looking back at our podcast episodes and I saw that, I was like, that's the trope. I was like, I've never really heard of that before. And then my sister pointed it out when we were watching a movie. And now every time I watch movies... I see the trope and it is annoying. In a nutshell, the trope is like a waste of time. I think that's the easiest way to describe it is that it is a waste of time because, again, I'm going to use movies as an example because I got to be honest, I can't think of any books at the top of my head that actually utilize this trope, but it's probably because I've never noticed it before. But like take the Marvel movies, for example. How many times have they decided to do something 
And then there's a time skip. They arrive at a new place. It's nighttime now. And they get out of the car and somebody goes, so why exactly are we here? And then they go into this elaborate backstory. And it's like, you didn't think to ask that in the car. So they just literally said, come on, we got to go to this place, get in the car. So you went the entire car ride. And then when you arrive at your destination, you're like, hey, wait a second. What are we doing here? I agree with Ari. It is a crappy use of bad exposition. And it's a waste of time because, I again, I think if it's done well, it's done well. But depending on where we are in the series, where we are in the story, how much the characters actually know. I mean, whatever the characters know, the audience probably already knows as well. I've never watched CSI, but I do know what Luminal is from the Ace Attorney video games. And even then, like, they explain it once. When you when it's first introduced in the game, they explain what it is, why you use it, and how to use it. But then when you use it again, later on in the video game, later on in the series, a different video game, they don't touch upon it. They're like, here's Luminal to check if there's blood around. Here you go. And that's it. Like, that's, that's a good use because they're assuming that you already played the previous games And in terms of like books and movies or TV shows, you should just assume that they already know. I mean, and there are some things that they explain, like Luminal, for example, may not be well known by everybody. It's not necessarily common knowledge if you're not in that particular field. But there are other things that uh, I don't I can't really think of an example in my head, but there are other things that's just kind of common sense for most people. And then yet you watch a movie or a TV show and they have to like go in depth explaining it. And then you're sitting there watching it like, yeah, I know, get to the point. So, no, I don't like it either. Well, the thing is, there's been ones where it's been so bad. It's not even something like the Luminol one. Where, as you said, if you're not into crime, if you're not into, <laughs> into crime, into, if you're not into watching or reading about crime or anything like that or science, you might not have heard of Luminol. You might not know how it works or the techniques. But this technique has been used in really dumb ways, like where a character's going, as you know, our sister is married to a firefighter and he's been working. And it's like, of course we know. They're a relative. If you don't know who they're married to, what the hell? It gets to that level of dumb where you're not even sharing information the reader or the viewer won't know. You are just reminding them, don't forget that person's married to such a body. That's going to come up later. It kind of comes across like you think your readers are dumb and they can't remember anything. It's hand-holding. Yes. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. (laughs) I think it happens in TV more because if you've got a TV show that's spanning season after season and there's like 22 episodes in each season, then I still don't agree with it. I still think people are idiots for doing it but i suppose there's that thing if, if someone's going you know jumping into an episode they didn't see you know they, they, they catch it on tv and like oh i wonder what that is and you're kind of recapping almost i mean that's what a recap is isn't it previously on blah, blah, blah. but if you're writing a book and even a series it's like very few people will pick up a random book in the middle of a series unless it's episodic and even then tough and i'm, I'm gonna say why i remember reading ed mcbain's i think it was the eight seven precinct books and they were episodic. So you could pick up any of the book. But I remember picking up the... I didn't start at the beginning for ages. I just literally just picked them as I went. because they were in the library. It was whatever was available. And I remember picking something up. And obviously it was a police procedural. So it talked about, you know, procedurals and crime scenes and terms. And it had like, you know, DA and ME. 
And I didn't know what some of those terms meant when I read them because I was like a teenager and I had no idea what ME meant in that context. Now, the first book, maybe the first few books, would have probably explained it meant medical examiner. The later books kind of assumed you'd read them. So they didn't keep saying it. They just used the abbreviation ME because it was like, the, you know, the detectives were going, yeah, the ME's here. You know what I did? I went and found out what that meant. You know? And this was probably before Google as well. So worst thing is maybe there'll be a term that you use that, or something that happens that you, you your writers don't know. They can look it up. I'm not saying with everything, you know, don't make it so complicated. But in some things, you don't have to handhold. And especially... You don't need to handhold by telling us who's related to who or something really stupid. I think it was like, didn't Terry Pratchett do one where it was something like, as you know, your father the king or emperor or something. And it was like, well, if you don't know your father's the king, then there's a problem kind of thing. And I think it was done, obviously, tongue in cheek. But this is a trope that people use. And I have to admit, I don't see it as much in books, but it is still there. There is the odd one. And the problem is once you've seen it, you can't not see it. It keeps popping up and then it's really glaring and then you get annoyed. <laughs> so we're trying to stop you doing the wrong thing in your book and annoying people. This is what the whole episode is about. Yeah, I'm really going to resent you from uh, pointing this out to me because again, I never noticed it. I never knew it was a trope until I saw your podcast idea and I was like, I don't know what that is. I'll ask Ari about it later. And then my sister pointed it out in a movie and I'm like, oh my God, that's it. And now I see it everywhere. And I remember all of these examples. I think overall, there, like obviously there's some information that is absolutely useful for your readers to know. And you need to get that information to them in some way. But I'm going to use Ari's example for a second with, you know, somebody being like, oh, as you know, our sister is married to a firefighter. If that is important to somebody's character development, or if it is important to the plot somehow, there are other ways to get that information across to your readers. If it's really that important for them to know, then have your character and the sister be in a room together and have the husband come home from work dressed up in his firefighter outfit and have the sister be like, oh, how was work? And maybe there's there's a semi like a short little detailed story about like this elaborate apartment fire that he had to put out or something like that. That's how you get that information across. That's how you show the information. You're not just you're not telling it. You're not explaining it. It's not handholding. That's the right way to do it. But again, if it doesn't pertain to anybody's character development or if it doesn't pertain to the plot at all, then you don't necessarily need that information in there, in which case. You don't need to shoehorn, as you know, our sister is married to a firefighter. So there you go. Easy fix. And also, you get more words in there as well, because we, we all know we're obsessed with word count. So there's a little word count tip for you. That's a good point. That's a good point. I have to say, I'm going to flip it now. The other thing is if you're trying hard not to do that, and then what you do is, because I don't like this either. This is possibly just a personal issue I have is the one where they literally drag some rando nobody in to stand there, literally to say, wow, what's Luminol? <laughs> it's like, who is this guy? Who, who is? You literally just brought him in, just so the two people in the room who know what Luminol is, and the readers or the, uh, the viewers don't, we just brought some random dude in for no reason so he could ask what Luminol is. That is bad too, in my eyes. You should still be able to explain to the readers or the viewers what Luminol is without 
babysitting someone and explaining it to them. It's if it's a prop. You've turned this random person into a prop. Again, there are ways of doing it. And if it's a real person that has a reason to be there, to ask these questions, who wants to know. But seriously, it's still bad because you're using a prop to get away from doing as you know, Bob. And I don't like that either. <laughs> it's actually really funny how you explain that because now I have it in my head that that's what the author thinks of you. You know what I mean? They're, in every like TV show, like especially like kid shows and stuff, you have the token comedic character, but they're the dumb one. And so when you're reading a book or you're watching a movie or something and you have that random nobody come in, that is the author's way of saying this nobody character, I'm not going to give you a name because they're not necessarily needed. But in my mind, their name is Reader or their name is audience or viewer. And this is what I think of you. I am assuming that you don't know anything about anything. So, and I assume that as you're reading this, you're like, oh, watch Luminar. And then you need the, the main characters to explain it to you. Like, as, as if we don't have Google or something, as Ari mentioned earlier, because it's kind of like, it's like a vocabulary lesson. Whenever I'm reading a book, if I come across a vocab word, that I have zero clue what it is, or I don't know how to pronounce it, I Google it. And then guess what? I learned something new. And then it helps me out for the rest of the book, the rest of the series. And it's the same thing with information, like knowing what Luminol is and what it does and who's married to a firefighter and all family tree stuff and all, all that stuff. It We have other resources and we can figure these things out. And there's also such a thing called context clues. Okay, like some of the information you don't need to shoehorn in like a big batch. You can kind of sprinkle the information throughout and over time it can click for your reader and you could be like, oh, that's why they're doing that. That's why they're using this tool or whatever. There are other ways to go about it. You don't just need to be like, oh, by the way, in case you forgot that firefighter over there is your brother-in-law. No, it's not how it works. Seriously, it's just, it, it, in the end, it comes down to bad writing. Again, in my opinion, I'm sure there's people out there who are like, this is the best trope. No, it's not. But I think it's bad writing. It's just, it's one of those things where if you thought a bit longer about it or you sort of caught yourself doing it, because I'm sure it's one of those things you don't even think about, you'd, you'd, fi you'd find a better way of doing it. As, as Rachel said, you'd be able to like sprinkle it through or you'd find another way of, of showing because it's just telling. It's telling without the exposition that's prose. And it's just as bad and it's so unnecessary. There are shows that don't do it. There are books that don't do it. So it's possible to not freaking do it. I will say that I, I do agree with everything that Ari's saying. It, it's not a, a good trope and you shouldn't use it. But I will say that there is one time that it is okay to actually use this trope. And it is in your first draft. If you really don't know how to get a certain message across to your readers or to certain characters in the book, yes, absolutely put it in there, but bold it or italicize it, bookmark it. So that way, when you go back and edit, you can see, oh, I need to explain this better or I need to show this better. I need to, I need to just take this out. You might not, you might even realize that by the time you finish the first draft, you may realize that you actually don't need that little bit. Maybe you did explain it farther down in the story and you just didn't realize it. Use it as a placeholder and for your eyes only. Yeah, 
it can be in a draft. It can be in when you're doing it. Because as you said, it might be one of those bits where you're trying to give the reader some information and you're not exactly sure how to do it. So you want to just put it in there to begin with. Now, there are times when people have tried to like, I don't do that by not using the as you know part. But if you've got two characters who know information and they're talking about it to themselves and telling each other the information as if they don't know it, that's the problem. You don't need the as you know part if they're still doing it. You don't need it. Find a better way of sharing information with the reader without this clunky method. And if you're not sure how, let it go to the betas, highlight that bit and say, how do you think the best way of explaining this would be? But honestly, I think if you think about it, you'll find a better way. But yeah, it's lazy is what I think it is. I that. Personal opinion, personal opinion. Okay, I think we've exhausted this uh, this ranty subject. It's one of my ranty subjects. So let's turn it over to you guys. Where have you seen any As You Know Bob moment? Let us know the answers in the comments so we can have a chat. Remember, we release new episodes every Wednesday. Next week, we'll be discussing novel outlining methods. So to ensure you don't miss it, hit the subscribe button on your way out. And as always, thanks for listening to the Merry Writer Podcast. See you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Scraps of Paper. We have notes everywhere. The music, titled Inspired, is by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.